Welcome back to the Listener's Commentary. I'm Paul's Letter to the Romans. You know, the Listener's Commentary is made possible by the generous support of our amazing donors. So thank you to each and every one of you who donate. And if you want to join the team and continue to make an impact in the lives of people all around the world, you can do so at listenerscommentary.com slash give. I'll put a link in the notes down below. All right, let's begin. We're at Romans chapter 5. First thing we need to recognize is Romans 5 begins a brand new section in the letter to the Romans. But don't draw a hard line between this new section and the previous section in Romans 1 through 4. What chapter 5 does is it really wraps up the themes of Romans 1 through 4 and then introduces the themes of chapters 6 through 8. And so what we get is in verses 5 through 11, uh, really saying here is the result of this justification by faith for you. And so we get those themes kind of wrapped up in a grand climactic sort of way in Romans 5, 1 through 11. And then in Romans 5, 12 through 22, what we end up with is really a springboard or launching pad for everything else in the section in Romans 6 through 8. And here's the way it works. At the end of Romans 5, Paul compares Adam and Jesus and shows how through Adam's choices, that brought sin, death, and condemnation into the world and unleashed all of that into the present world. Yet through Jesus' action, that sin, death, and condemnation has been overcome. Listen to these words at the end of Romans chapter 5. Paul writes this in Romans 5, 20 through 21. He says, The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace would reign through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And chapters 6 through 8 is going to really in detail show how that happened. And so that becomes the springboard for everything he's going to say in Romans chapters 6 through 8. And those chapters tackle this idea of sin, death, and condemnation, showing how they no longer have power over us who are in Christ. And one of the little bits of theology that would be really helpful to reading Romans 6, 7, and 8 well is to recognize that in the New Testament we get what uh, scholars like to refer to as the overlap of the ages. Here's what that means is because of the work of Christ and the pouring out of the Spirit, some of what God wanted to achieve through the Messiah has already been accomplished, but not all of it. So we live in this overlap, this tension between some things are already started and already accomplished, but they're not completely and totally finished, right? So we are redeemed, but we still look forward to the final day of redemption. We are justified, but we look forward to the final day of judgment when all will be made new. And so we're in this overlap, this tension between what God has already accomplished in Christ and what is still yet to come. That's the overlap that we're talking about. And you see that overlap play out here in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. Uh, he says things like, we have died to sin, but sin's not dead, so we have to make sure we don't let sin reign in our mortal bodies. Uh, he says that we have been raised with Christ, 
but we're still awaiting our final resurrection. It's like we've experienced phase one of our resurrection when we became a believer, a Christian, but we haven't really been fully resurrected because we're still in this fallen, broken body, right? So this is the overlap. Sin and death have been condemned by Christ and overcome by the Spirit, but they're not removed and we're not immune to them, so we have to put them to death in Romans chapter 8. And so this tension between the already and the not yet, that's really important as you read through these chapters to understand what Paul is doing. And so he is telling us that here is what's true about us because of what Jesus has done and what the Spirit has done, but we have to make sure we don't overstate those and miss the tension that even though these things are true, there still is a fallen world, we're still in a fallen body, and we're still uh, wrestling with temptation in the present time period. And so we are set free from the power of sin, but we're not totally free from the presence of sin. That won't happen until Jesus returns. So this tension between the already and not yet, because we we live during the overlap of the ages, the new age of Christ and the Spirit has broken into the old age of the here and now, and those two ages overlap in the present until Jesus returns and makes all things new. All right, and also by way of introduction to this section, it's important for us to recognize that in chapters 6 and 7, that Paul really plays question and answer. And so it's really, really important to pay attention to the questions that Paul asks, because he asks questions, and then everything that follows is the answer to that question. And so the question tells us the topic being discussed. And so we have to pay attention to the question and answer in Romans 6 and 7. So, for example, Romans chapter 6 begins with, What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Then you get the answer. May it never be. And everything that's said after that explains why that's the case. Why we shouldn't continue in sin. Because grace may abound. Then in the middle of chapter 6, you get another question. Should we uh, continue in sin? Because we're not under the law, but we're under grace. Again, may it never be. And so question and answer through Romans chapter 6 and 7. Not paying attention to the questions leads us to be confused sometimes about the answers that he's giving because we don't really understand the topic he's addressing. So make sure you pay attention to the question and answers in Romans chapters 6 and 7. And then the final thing to note uh, by way of introduction to the section is that it really works with what Douglas Moo, a New Testament scholar, calls a ring composition. Here's what that means is uh, chapters 5, 1 through 11 and chapter 8 at the end really are dealing with similar themes. And then chapters 5, 12 through 22 and the, the first part of chapter 8 are dealing with similar themes. Chapter 7 and chapter 6 dealing with similar themes. And so sort of this concentric circles that work outward from the middle of chapter 6 and 7, right? Then the second half of chapter 5, first half of chapter 8, and so on. That ring composition. Let me summarize what Mu says about that for us. The outer circle of the ring is chapter 5, 1 through 11, and chapter 8, 18 through 39. Chapter 5, 1 through 11 makes this point. We believers can be confident that we'll, we'll experience future glory, 5, 1 through 11. In chapter 8, 18 through 39, 
he comes back and essentially makes the same point. We believers can be confident that we'll experience future glory. And so you get really the same point made in those two sections. The next ring in, the next layer, uh, 5, 12 through 21, 8, 1 through 17. And the, the topic being discussed there is really the new life we have in Christ. So in 5, 12 through 21, Paul says, we can have this confidence about future glory because we have new life in Christ, because Jesus has triumphed over the destruction that Adam unleashed. And then in 8, 1 through 17, Paul makes essentially the same point. He says, because we're new believers in Christ, we're new creatures in Christ, we're sure of life because the Spirit conquers the power of sin and death. And then the inner ring is chapter 6 and chapter 7, and they both deal with this idea of not being in bondage to either sin or to the law. So 6, 1 through 23 says, sin can't keep us from this glory that we're promised because we're no longer in bondage to it. And then chapter 7 says, and the Old Testament law can't keep us from this glory because we're no longer in bondage to it. And that's really the way this whole section plays out. Now, don't get lost in all those details. I think the primary thing you want to pay attention to is the outer circle, 5, 1 through 11. We can revel in the fact that we have this hope of glory and 8, 18 through 39 that we believers are can be confident in this future glory because nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that wraps this whole section and helps us realize ultimately that's the point Paul wants to make in this section is that everything that Jesus has done for us has freed us from sin, death, condemnation, and thus we can we can live in the present in spite of the difficulties. We can live in the present with confidence and joy knowing that our future is secure in Christ. All right, that gives us a good handle on how Romans 5 through 8 actually works and what it's all about. So now we're ready to jump into the details, and in our next recording, we'll look at Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11.